This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas. A community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org slash UT. Or find us on Instagram at TexasRUF. My name's Jordan. I want to welcome y'all to RUF tonight. Uh, we're at that point in the semester where there really are a million things that you could be doing. Um, I know many of you have tests. You could be at home studying for those tests. Evidently, you could be at Kings of Leon right now. I saw Kings of Leon in 2010. I can't believe there's still a band. There's also some chill Christian dude who's playing somewhere, so you could be at that concert as well. But you're here, and I'm really, really glad that you're here. So thank you for being at RUF. Uh, so what is RUF? Well, RUF is a community of students is trying to learn how to love God, and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbors, because what we believe is that Jesus is the embodiment of love. And so what we do each and every week is this. We meet in this room on Wednesday nights for large group, and we meet throughout the week in small groups and one-on-one in order to remind one another of God's love, and then to rejoice in that love and to rest in that love. And so what I want you to do more than anything else tonight is I want you to rest, And I want you to breathe in and exhale the love of God for you. I want you to know that RUF is not an organization that's trying to use you or get you to do more things for us. We're actually trying to get you to rest in the things that Jesus has already done for you. And I want you to know that no matter who you are and no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, you're welcome here. And I'm glad that you're here. So this semester, we're asking this question each and every week. Who is Christ for us? Who is Christ? I mean, not, not what version of Christ do I like the most or who do I want Christ to be, but who is Christ actually? And so what I want us to see tonight is that Christ is our peace. He's our peace. So when I was a child, uh, my biggest fear in life was tornadoes. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and Memphis is sort of just east of this area of the United States known as Tornado Alley. And so what happened is that these big storm uh, fronts would develop in Kansas and Oklahoma, and they would sort of make their way across the plains and across the Mississippi River and into Memphis. And this always seemed to happen in the spring uh, when the, the cold air of winter was sort of colliding with the warm air of summer. And it also always seemed to happen during March Madness. So I have these vivid memories of watching basketball and then seeing in the bottom right corner of the screen this flashing tornado warning. And like still to this day, thinking that image like fills me with fear. But, but what we would do uh, when these tornadoes would come, we had a place that we would go. We had a little closet that was underneath the stairs. And, and we would go into this closet and we would sit on pillows and we would wrap ourselves in blankets and we would eat snacks and we would watch the weatherman on this little TV, and we would wait for the storms to pass. And that closet became, for me, something like an eye of the hurricane. I mean, you know what the eye of the hurricane is, right? I mean, it's this 20 to 40 mile radius that is in the middle of a hurricane. And and, and the strongest part of the hurricane is actually that ring directly outside of the eye, where, where where, where winds can reach over 100 miles an hour. But inside the eye, Everything is calm. And what I want you to see tonight is that being with Jesus is like being in the eye of the hurricane. So three points tonight as we look at Christ as our peace. First, chaos. Second, calm. And three, confidence. They all begin with C. 
Chaos, calm, confidence. Those are our three points. First, chaos. So, so turning back to the passage that Annie read for us, you'll notice that things get very chaotic here for the disciples in our passage. I mean, the first thing we see is that they're on the lake and they're going across to the other side. The other side. Uh, the, the, the lake here that they are on is the Sea of Galilee, and they're crossing from the Jewish side or the Jewish shore of the lake to the Gentile side or the Gentile shore of the lake. And, and the Jewish part is what is familiar to them because all these men on the boat are Jews. And so the Jewish part is the people who speak their language and who practice their religion and obey their laws. But the Gentile part was like totally unknown. I mean, the Gentiles were these strange people who didn't follow God or obey his rules. And so what is happening here is that the disciples are on a journey out of their comfort zone. But the second thing we see is that it's evening. Look back at verse 35. It says, when evening had come. And in the Gospels, whenever you see words like evening or night, they're always symbolic. Evening here is more than just the sun is going down. It's symbolic. It's symbolizing this sort of circumstantial or existential darkness that these men are entering. But then third, we see that a storm comes. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. The Sea of Galilee is known even today for these sudden storms where where things can be perfectly calm on the lake, and then out of nowhere, a storm will suddenly hit. And so that's what's happening here. But, but the worst part for the disciples here is not that they're leaving their comfort zone. And it's not that it is evening. And it is not that a storm has arisen, but is that they feel completely alone. Look at verse 38. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Jesus is asleep. And so we have a journey out of our comfort zone. We have darkness so that no one can see. We have waves crashing and pouring into the boat. Disciples feeling like they're drowning. And where is Jesus? Asleep. The first time the storm actually hit for me was in college. Um, It was my junior year of college. Uh, I, I grew up in a private high school in Memphis. And I made pretty good grades and I had pretty good test scores. And so my mentality sort of going into my senior year is I want to go to the best college that I get into. And so I got into Wake Forest in North Carolina and I decided to go to Wake Forest. And I did two years at Wake, but then for a variety of reasons, I decided to transfer. Really, I just wanted to go to a better school. And so I decided to transfer to Ole Miss, right? So, um, and as I, yeah. And so as I've told some of you, uh, when I decided to transfer, I walked into the registrar's office at Wake, and I said, I'm transferring. And they said, okay, where are you going? And I said, Ole Miss. And they looked at me, y'all, like I was having a psychotic breakdown. I mean, they looked at me like, are you doing okay? I mean, we have university counselors. We can refer you out, so we'd love to set up a meeting for you. Are you at, are you at harm to yourself? Like, they were very concerned about me. And I was like, no, I'm actually doing great. Um, I'm good. I'm transferring to Ole Miss. And so I transferred to Ole Miss, but then the storm immediately hit. I immediately fell into a pretty deep depression, uh, to the, still to this day the deepest depression I've ever been into. Um, I immediately regretted my decision. 
All my friends at Wake did not handle my decision well. They felt betrayed. I had one of my friends at Wake write me a seven-page letter telling me why I was ruining my life, and I believed him. Um, One of the reasons I transferred was because I was dating a girl at Ole Miss. We broke up after a few months. Um, I would come home every day after class, and I would take, like, depression naps. I mean, I was so depressed. I just went to bed every day. Uh, I started having terrible dreams at night. I started having these night tears where uh, there would be spiders in the bed with me. So college was supposed to be the best four years of my life, and I'm in bed dreaming about spiders. It was very dark. And some of you are like, okay, that got really dark really fast. But here's the thing. I mean, for some of you, life is actually really dark right now. And life feels really chaotic right now. I mean, some of you are freshmen, and you've sort of gone to the other side, you know, sort of from the known to the unknown, and you still don't know, like, where you are, what is happening to you. Others of you are sophomores or juniors, and you're supposed to have sort of, like, be in your groove by now and have sort of figured college out, but that hasn't happened. Some of you are seniors, and you're looking ahead to the storm that's about to hit after graduation, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. Uh, For all of you, in the past couple years, you've been hit by the storm of COVID. Some of you have been hit by the storm of death. Uh, I mean, even right now, one of our OEF students is facing the perspective of death uh, of, of their father. I mean, some of you have lost close friends, multiple close friends in the last year. I mean, many of you are facing the storm of anxiety and depression, I mean, others of you are facing the storm of addiction. I mean, you, like, can't stop looking at pornography, and you can't stop drinking and binge drinking. I mean, many of you are in some storm of some kind. And what makes it even harder when the storm hits in college is that we feel this pressure for college to be, like, amazing. Because all of our life, think about all the old hats who have said to you, college is the best four years of your life. Enjoy it because it's all downhill from here, right? And we all have these 50- and 60-year-old people who say these things to us. And so then when we're in college and it's actually hard, we don't feel like we have permission to struggle and be like, no, actually college is kind of hard for me right now. And for some of you, you can't relate to any of this because your life is going really well. But at some point, the storm will hit you. And when you're in the storm, whether it's now or in the future, all you will want is just calm. You just want relief. You just want it to stop. There's a song by this band, Arcade Fire, that I think really captures this. The song is called Creature Comfort. Um, And it's a dark song, but again, I think it speaks to the pressure that men and women feel in our modern world. Uh, Here's how it goes. It says... Some boys, some boys hate themselves. They spend their lives resenting their fathers. And some girls hate their bodies, standing in the mirror and wait for the feedback, saying, God, make me famous. But if you can't, just make it painless. Some girls hate themselves, hide under the covers with sleeping pills. And some girls cut themselves, stand in the mirror and wait for the feedback. Some boys get too much, too much love, too much touch. Some boys starve themselves, stand in the mirror and wait for the feedback, saying, God, make me famous. But if you can't, just make it painless. Just make it painless. And this is all of our lives. I mean, we have these deep wounds and these deep pains. And so we turn to these things saying, just make it painless, please. I mean, food, just make it painless. 
the distraction of scrolling on our phones, just make it painless. Working up like a good buzz or getting a dopamine hit, I mean, just make it painless. Achievement, good grades, the high that comes from succeeding and making good grades, just make it painless. The high sort of getting people to like you, affirmation, acceptance, just make it painless. Relationships, sex, pleasure, just make it painless. Friends, in the chaos and in the storm, when it hits, you just want it to stop. So let's look at point two, calm. So returning to our passage, uh, we see that Jesus is asleep and the disciples go to wake him up. And, and they say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And, and I love this question because this is a question that all of us ask when we're in the storm. I mean, all of us, when the storm hits, whatever it is, our friend dies, anxiety, depression, God Do you not care? I mean, God, how could you let him die? I mean, God, won't you take my anxiety away? Are you asleep? Are you not powerful enough to deal with it? Or do you just not care? But friends, what we see in this passage is that Jesus isn't asleep because he doesn't care. He's asleep because he is in total control. I mean, his sleep here isn't the sleep of apathy. It's the sleep of just not being anxious. So in verse 39, what happens? He wakes up. He speaks to the storm and to the sea, and he says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I have the hurricane. So I want us to ask for a few minutes what peace really means, because, I mean, peace is a word we throw around, right? So, like, what does peace really mean, and how do we get it? What our world today, it seems to me that peace simply means the absence of pain. It's the absence of pain. It, it means escape. Peace is sort of rising above the storm. Peace is a vacation on the beach in Cabo where you're sort of sitting there and you're sipping your pina colada and you don't have to do anything or think about anything. Peace. Feeling stressed? Cabo. Feeling tired? Cabo. Anxious? Cabo. And if you can't actually get on a plane and go to Cabo and sort of have this vacation or have this escape, then you need to work up and find sort of your inner Cabo, right? And your inner peace. And you can do this in a million ways. You, know, you can meditate or do yoga or exercise or, or eat a plant-based diet or like learn to love yourself more. And then you can like find your inner Cabo, right? Peace. So peace, again, is this sort of escape in our world. It, it's getting your body in the right place or your mind in the right place or sort of getting your circumstances better and rising above the storm. But in the Bible, friends, peace is really different from this. In the Bible, peace is not escaping or rising above the storm. Peace is being with Jesus in the middle of the storm. And these are very different things. Because, see, if peace is sort of rising above the storm and rising above suffering and rising above pain, it is always going to be up to you. You'll have to get your mind right or your body right. You'll have to get your circumstances better. You'll have to self-medicate. You'll have to find all these different ways to sort of get to Cabo. But if peace is not escaping the storm and rising above the fray, but it's actually being with Jesus in the center of the storm, then peace is actually a gift. And it isn't something that you have to work up for yourself 
or find or seek out for yourself. You just receive it. You just receive it. You don't claw your way out. Jesus comes to you in the middle of the storm. I mean, think about Jesus' life for a second. There was nothing about Jesus' life that remotely resembled a vacation. I mean, the whole trajectory of Jesus' life was a movement not away from the storm, but right into the center of it. I mean, Jesus' life, in many ways, was a 33-year-old funeral. It was just 33 years moving directly towards his death. And on the day when he actually dies, what happens? It's noon. It's the middle of the day. But then the sky goes completely dark. And it's evening. It's noon, but it's dark. It's like our passage. The whole sky goes dark because the cross, in the cross, Jesus is entering the storm. He, he's entering the storm of sin and guilt, shame, evil, death, Satan. All of these waves are crashing upon him. And then to make matters worse, on the cross, Jesus is completely alone. I mean, what does he say? He feels like God is asleep. My God, why have you forsaken me? Do you not care that I am perishing. Jesus comes right into our storm so that like the disciples, we can actually be brought safely to the other side. The other side of sin, the other side of death, the other side of suffering. I mean, what are Jesus's last words on the cross? We talked about him a few weeks ago. It is finished. Be still. Peace. Um, do you know the last words of Buddha before he died? Do you know what they were? He said, strive without ceasing. Jesus' last words, it is finished. Buddha, it's up to you. Christ, it's up to me. Buddha, look inside for inner peace. Christ, look to me. I'm your peace. Buddha, never stop striving and earning and running and working. Christ, Stop striving right now. Buddha, avoid pain. Rise above the storm. Christ, I'm coming to you in the middle of the storm. I have the hurricane. So a few years ago, uh, one of my friends that was working for RUF had a student who had a really, really bad weekend. Um, Basically, this guy had gone out of town to visit some friends, and he ended up getting really drunk, and he blacked out, and he slept with this girl that he didn't know. And uh, when he woke up the next day and he realized what had happened, he started to like completely freak out. Um, what have I done? What did I do? The girl may have gotten pregnant. And all of his friends, his bros, kind of start coming up to him and saying all these really trite things to him. Like, dude, it's going to be fine. Like, it'll be okay. Like, nothing bad's going to happen. But, but these words actually meant nothing to this guy. And he said the only meaningful words that anyone said to him during this time were when he came and talked to my friend. He came and talked to my friend and told him what had happened that weekend. And my friend said to him, you know what? Actually, everything might not be okay. Like she really might have gotten pregnant and you might get in a lot of trouble. But Christ is your life and he's with you. Friends, until Jesus returns, like, it's not like everything's just going to be okay. Like, people are going to die. Death isn't going anywhere. Like, suffering isn't going anywhere. Sin isn't going anywhere. Bad things are going to continue to happen. 
But whatever happens, Jesus is with you. He's really with you. I mean, he's the closet under the stairs. He's the eye of the hurricane. Uh, Let's look now at point three, confidence. Because I want us to see that what Jesus wants to instill in us as he is with us in the storm is confidence. Look back at verse 40 in our passage. Um, After the wind and the waves die down, Jesus turns to the disciples and he says to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith in me? He says, why is your faith so little? And what we see here is that faith for Jesus means confidence. Faith is confidence. See, many of us think that faith is this sort of intellectual exercise. The faith is intellectual. Where, where having faith and being a Christian is sort of mentally assenting to certain truths or propositions about God. Sort of acing this theology test. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus was a perfect man. I believe that I'm forgiven. But friends, faith is not just intellectual. Faith is relational. It's relational. Because you can intellectually think all the right things about God and never have a relationship with him. You can think all the right things and never trust him. And never depend on him. And never have confidence in him. I mean, faith is confidence. Faith is believing in your bones that Jesus is up for the task. And that there's like nothing you can face in this world that is too much for him. Just look at what the disciples say at the end of the passage. Who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, y'all, you think that Jesus can't handle what you've done and that he can't handle like your regrets and your mistakes, the wind and the waves obey him. I mean, you think Jesus can't handle your anxiety? The wind and the waves obey him. You think Jesus can't handle your addictions that we all have? The wind and the waves obey him. I mean, friends, being a Christian is about having confidence in Jesus But here's the good news of the gospel. Even when you don't have confidence in Jesus at all, he still shows up. Look at the disciples. They don't trust Jesus. They have zero confidence in him. They're panicking. They're freaking out. But Jesus still shows up. And he will for you too. I mean, you think Jesus will only show up when I get my stuff together and I sort of up my my, my faith game. No. If you have even the smallest bit of confidence in Jesus, that's enough. If you have even the smallest bit of confidence that he has forgiven you and that he loves you, that's enough. If you have even the smallest bit of confidence that he will show up and fight for you, that's enough. As many have said, in life, it is not the quantity of our faith that matters, but it's the quality. Which is to say, being a Christian is not about having a ton of faith. It's about what your faith is in. If your faith is in Jesus, no matter how small it is, it's enough. But I think that uh, no matter how big or small our faith is and how uh, long or short of a time we've been a Christian, that we would all say that we would like to grow in our faith and our confidence in Jesus, right? And so um, let's ask together, what are a couple of ways that we can actually increase our faith and grow our confidence in Jesus this semester? Okay, I'll mention a couple of ways. Uh, The first is prayer. Because prayer 
is the eye of the hurricane. I mean, prayer is not, let me get on my knees so that I can sort of manipulate God into making the storm go away. He could choose to make the storm go away. He might not. Prayer is actually about being with Jesus in the middle of the storm. I mean, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, go to your closet. Prayer is being in the closet during the tornado. Prayer's eye of the hurricane. There's this great hymn that you should all uh, go and look the lyrics up to, up, look up the lyrics to this hymn. And it's called, In the Secret of His Presence. And I want to read these words to you. In the secret of His presence, how my soul delights to hide. How precious are the lessons which I learn at Jesus' side. Earthly cares and anxieties trouble me while thy trials lay me low. But when Satan comes to tempt me, to that secret place I go. To that secret place I go. That's prayer. It's the secret place in the middle of the storm, eye of the hurricane. Here's a second way uh, I believe you can increase your confidence in Jesus in the midst of the storm. And that is to uh, go on a retreat. Okay, and this is a shameless plug. Uh, over the next few weeks, you will hear us talk a lot about Fall Conference, okay? You hear us a lot, talk a lot about Fall Conference, and that's because Fall Conference is amazing. Uh, REF has been doing it for a really long time. And it's this weekend retreat that we do every fall where you get away and you can relax and you can connect more with the staff of RUF and you can be with your friends and you can be with God. And Fall Conference is not just fun. But uh, older students will tell you that fall conference is eye of the hurricane. Because uh, it happens in late October, October 22nd to 24th. And when October 22nd rolls around, you're going to be really tired. You're going to be tired from midterms. You're going to be tired from storming the field at the Cotton Bowl when we beat OU. Nate, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, You're going to be really tired. Uh, You're going to need somewhere to go and to just rest for a while. And that's fall conference. Friends, come to fall conference because it can be an eye of the hurricane in the middle of your semester. Shameless plug. All right, let's close. So um, when I think back to those spring days as a kid, when, when, when I would see the tornado warnings flash up during the basketball games and we'd all go and climb into the closet, I realized that, that what gave me comfort in those moments as a child was not the, the stairwell over our heads or the sort of cozy darkness that we were sitting in or, or the pillows or the snacks. Uh, what gave me comfort in those moments was the fact that my mom was with me, that my mom was in the closet with me. My comfort was a person. I mean, my comfort was knowing that whatever happened, I was with my mother. Friends, peace is a person. It is not a feeling. It is not an escape. It's not a buzz. It's not a dopamine hit. It's not a circumstance. It's not a vacation. It is a person. Jesus is with you. Now I have the hurricane. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you have spoken to us tonight and that you have said to us through your son, peace, be still. Lord, I pray for myself and for my friends here that we would grow in our confidence in you, that there's nothing we can face in this life that is too much for you, 
that there's no storm we can be in the middle of that you're not in with us. So, Lord, send us out into the world uh, knowing those good truths. And, Lord, may we then comfort others as they face similar trials and similar storms. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.